welcome to Read This Fucking Book, Episode 1. I'm Rachel. I'm Elena. And I'm Joey. So this is our first inaugural episode of this amazing idea that Elena and I had to make each other read books that we like that the other has not read. Um, and to the first book that we're reading is Sabriel by Garth Nix. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm the one that has read this before and Joey has also read this before and Elena has not. So I made Elena read this. Um, Sabriel was written in uh, 1995. It's published by HarperCollins and Garth Nix is the author. He's still working. He still puts out books. Yes, um, a book came out this October. Yeah, in the old Kingdom books, which is also known as the Abhorsen books, uh, of which Sabriel is the first. Um, this book has won a bunch of awards. It's one of the um, ALA notable YA fantasy books, and it's won awards for Best YA and Best Fantasy, and it's it's a pretty great kind of starter for all of us, I think, in terms of things to talk about. So I'm going to ask Elena, what the heck is this book about? Sabriel is a young woman. She's 18, about to graduate from the school that she's been attending. And she is um, the daughter of the, are we saying Aborson, Aberson? I say Aborson. 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 Yeah. Tim Curry says okay, Aborson. Tim, Tim Curry Very well. reads he the audio book. Wow, yeah. that's cool. That's a recommendation. Um, she's the daughter of the Aborson. She knows she is. Uh, she has trained as her father's apprentice. And the Aborson is one of the magical figures in the Old Kingdom who is responsible basically for laying the evil dead to rest. And Sabriel gets pulled away from her school when her father goes missing and sends her his sword and bells, which are the tools of his office. And she has to go into the Old Kingdom and either rescue him or assume his position and stop the world from being taken over by the ultimate evil that's uh, orchestrated the whole thing. Yeah, I, one of the things that I really like about this book is that the evil dead are not zombies. I mean, they kind of are zombies, mm -hmm. but they're not like... They're reanimated corpses. Yeah, they're like classic necromancy. Yeah, mm -hmm. like they're not going to come and bite you and turn you into a it's zombie. Not, it's not infected, yeah. Right, yeah. So it's very like old school, goes along with the whole old kingdom kind of thing. And I'm not, I'm anti-zombie, so... It would have not been enjoyable for me had it been about them. Yeah, this there, there was no point in reading this that I even, it even crossed my mind to think of them as zombies. It's just, it, it's so, comp so clearly not. Yeah. So, Joey, why do you love this book? Um, I, I like this book because, um, well, it was recommended to me by David, and you had actually read it already. Um, but my friend David had recommended it after I had read the first chapter of a rough draft of a, a, of a novel I had been working on. And he goes, wow, your character reminds me a lot of Sabriel. And I was like, really? I better read this. And um, sure enough, some of there are a lot of crossovers there that, um, that I can see. Um, I like this book because it, um, it's, it's simple. Uh, there's no... I don't feel like the, that the, the author is trying to um, trick me or or lead me down a, a twist or surprise me with any um, characters that I should or shouldn't care about. It's very simple. And it's um, 
Uh, and I don't straightforward. It's, yeah, it's it's straightforward. Uh, simple may not be the right term. Maybe it's um, I mean, it's simple. It's elegant in its simplicity. So um, I, and I think that 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 we're really missing that right now. Fantasy, sci-fi, television, movies, they all seem to need to be. YA. very Yeah. Why? <laughs> it all needs to be very. Uh, what's the word? There's gimmicks. There's always Gim- gimmicks. There's, there's the gimmicks. There's the, the grit. There's the, um, everything has to be so serious and grave. And, you know, a book like this, which does have a lot to do with the undead and a lot of, you know, grave classic tropes, it, 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 it tends to not feel that way. And I, I wouldn't necessarily call it lighthearted, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to feel too gritty. Like everything seems to be so gritty and bleak now. And it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. There's a weight to the story. For sure, because obviously she's saving the world, uh, and she does not take that lightly. But yeah, it's it's you know what it is. If you read Robin McKinley, or if you read uh, um, the the books that who's the author Di- Diana Wynne Jones, the one that it, did the Howl's Moving Castle, Castle is it's definitely very, where it makes yeah, me think of. Yeah, it's the magic systems are I think are similar in that regard. Yeah. And if you yeah. if you haven't if you haven't read Howl's Moving Castle, Miyazaki's version of it isn't isn't too far off, but I'd have to say that Sabriel is definitely more faithful to the genre of what Howl, Howl's Moving Castle feels like when you read it. Yeah, classic 1990s or even late 80s YA. And it should be said that you know, Garth Nix is a man. He's Australian. And yet he wrote a story about a young girl at a time when there weren't that many young female leads. I mean, YA was especially sort of not. Well, especially not being written by men yeah. at that time. Yeah, for sure. Like, you think Tamora Pierce, that's, you know, that's who everyone thinks about when they think of YA fantasy for girls. Yeah, that that was actually one of the comparisons that I immediately went to. I was like, oh, this is like the Alana series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little darker than, than for the sure. series, so um, and a little less romancy. A little less romancy mm-hmm. for sure. It's it, actually we can talk about that. The romance part of this story to me seems very tacked on. It was like he wrote it, and then the editors came it's back like, like, "You need to need romance. You need some romance." So he was just like, "Okay," and then suddenly they were in Touchstone. Love. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start at the very beginning of this story. So. Uh, Sabriel lives, the, the way that the world works is there's the Old Kingdom, which is kind of north of the wall. People who read Game of Thrones will be familiar with that that trope of a, of a large wall. Um, the Old Kingdom has different weather, the time, time passes differently, uh, and everything there is magic. And then south of the wall, there it's sort of regular. And they're kind of like in a Victorian era, maybe. No, it's more, well, maybe. It's, maybe it's World, World War I, World, World War II, World, and there's yeah. definitely yeah, some no more, man's land it, and trenches kind of feel yeah, into that area. Yeah, so that, that's yeah. the level of their technology. They have electricity and tanks, but they're not, they're not like, they don't have computers. Um, and Sabriel goes to a girl's school south of the wall. And, you know, as Elena said, she has been trained by her father and she does learn magic at the, at the girl's school. But she knows that eventually she will return to the Old Kingdom. Uh, and she gets this message from her father from from beyond, from death. And I want to talk about how death is portrayed in this, in this story because it's very interesting. I love it. It's my favorite portrayal of death in, in books ever. Um, and she decides to go on this journey north of the wall to find her father and save him. 
And I think that she starts the story out fairly competent. Like a lot of times, the you know these girls are very clumsy or they yeah, don't know their their competent. potential. She's yeah. she's more than competent. She knows that she's going to grow up and be kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she. What I say is she's unseasoned, but she knows yeah. she's memor. She's read the Book of the Dead. She's sort of memorized well, it. The Book of the Dead. As much as it would allow her to As memorize. much as it would allow her to, you know, yeah. And she just knows how to do stuff, like just crazy magic. And she just starts doing it on like, you know, page one. Well, I, I was going to add it. It also talks about the fact that she has, in fact, dealt with several mm-hmm. uh, things that came from the realm of death at her school. And so she was there. She had the training and uh, the capacity to... Um, to do it so yeah. she has had a little practice she, she's not a complete like book theory only mm-hmm. but she is relatively unseasoned um so i know one of the questions that you had brought up in our uh sort of discussion section mm-hmm. was her relationship with authority figures yeah and to me that really played into her competence going in because to me it read like she is the sort of person who has been trained by authority figures that she trusted, who probably actually took the time to explain to her, this is how things work. This is why we do it this way. This is why you have to do it this way. And she had been given sufficient evidence or even direct experience to believe them. So she actually was willing to accept the training and the guidance and sort of live by the rules that she had been given versus kind of angsting about authority or why do we do it this way? Tradition is stupid or, you know, that kind yeah, of... Yeah, she doesn't like it bas- Basically, yeah, he saved hundreds of pages of narrative by not having her fight <laughs> the it's sort true. of rules yeah. that authority gave her. No, it's like no, he started no caps lock Harry through. Potter in this Yeah, one. he started the story <laughs> halfway through. So I'm, I wonder, I wonder right. if there is 50 pages of Sabriel that he just through in the trash you know what what is that like Mm -hmm. what was it like for her at school um right because essentially this is where the story starts yeah and i I actually kind of want to talk about the magic system so uh it's it's called the charter and like and like elena said there's no experimentation there's certain forms and apparently if you don't do that it doesn't work um and it seems to there's music involved uh, but there's also symbols and touching and, and certain incantations, but also will. What do you guys think of the magic system? And Can you think of anything else that's like it? I can think of one, um, at least as far as I understand the sort of magic used in World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is based solely on having seen the movie that came out this summer. I don't play the game. Um, but the things that... Um, Cadman, I think was the name, uh, was was doing. I mean, the way it was um, both, he had very specific glyphs. He was obviously very, like, book nerd heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's basically spends all his time in the library memorizing these spells and incantations. And if you don't do them the exact right way, they don't work. Um, and there was a moment, I don't know if you guys saw the movie, but there was a moment where he kind of steps into this um, almost, like, world of glyphs. And they're moving... And they're like all glowing. Oh this yeah, very, yeah, very similar. similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was what I pictured um, reading the descriptions of the charter magic um, when, you know, really just any time it talked about like the glyphs, or especially if if she saw like um, or didn't see a wall of them kind of moving and just constantly shifting and changing. Yeah, and it seems mm-hmm. like you know if you are a charter mage, you have to be baptized. The charter is like entered into your blood somehow, and then you gain 
whatever that limited access is to that sort of willpower magic that you have to do very specific mm-hmm. forms to access. And then there's Sombriel, who has the Abhorsen's magic, which is different. Necromancy. The necromancy, yeah. mm-hmm. which is attached to the Charter and is part of the Charter, but not everyone does it. She does mention that there are rogue necromancers out there who have their own sets of bells. But hers are special. Yeah. And she puts them back to sleep rather than reawakening, although she has the ability to reawaken. And it's important that she resists the the want to... Yeah. to, to to restore life back to, to she's like a she grim runs. reaper yeah she's it's very weird she's like you you i kind of think of the abhorsen and there can only be one at a time right like mm-hmm. highlander and they just wander the earth looking for restless spirits to put down it's like gandalf but only if he was the grim reaper and he had a scythe and but yeah. she does it so nicely yeah. i was talking to joey when when i first started doing the reread like i think that sabriel would make an amazing video game because you could do a video game that was silent and then the only music would be the music that you created in order to cast Ooh. your spells. I think that would be really powerful. Plus you'd have all the glyphs going everywhere and all the charter magic. It would be mm-hmm. really pretty. Yeah. I, I I mean, as a gamer, I, I could appreciate that, especially after playing a couple zombie games where mostly what you hear is just like creepy sounds and yeah. atmospheric distortions that are And they really talk jarring. a lot about creepy sounds like mm-hmm. the the different noises that the dead can make depending on how much cartilage is left in their hands and like if they're clapping them together. And... Yeah, or the the more than the mouth noises they try to make like Yeah. Throck. Yeah. Those are some of the the best descriptions. Like one thing I want to say about about that is this book is not particularly graphic but he also doesn't hold back from offering genuine descriptions of pretty horrific things like none of it felt gratuitous and he wasn't like spending you know five paragraphs describing it he just he used very spare language but it yeah. captured mm-hmm. it was because he, he honed in on these little details that then told you everything you needed to know she, like I, the one that stuck with me she, you know she had never heard anyone drowned but suddenly she heard a ship full of sailors dying in the water mm-hmm. yeah because that was the sound that all of these like corpses were making as they tried to speak that's yeah. powerful like that's it's simple yeah, it doesn't powerful. take a lot of words to say but it's it gets the point across so and and so there's the charter and then there are the bells that Sabriel can wield. She has a whole bandolier yeah. of different bells. Each of them has a name and an aspect, and they're all sort of almost alive. They are alive. They're yeah. part of the. They're part of the. Um, I think it's the eight or nine bright shiners, and that's that's like deep, that's like deep into the mythology. But originally it was like free magic, and then there were like there's different classes of like um, free magic, and they all they they. They like some went off to become bloodlines. So there's like a royalty bloodline. There's the Abhorsen bloodline, and then some went off to become objects like the wall. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do we do spoilers? And is this a spoiler podcast? Yeah, we can talk yeah. about some spoilers. Okay, well, Moget is one, and he's one yeah. that they don't talk about. And he was a neutral one called Uriel, and that's like a big kind of like reveal at the end of the book. Right. Although I don't know if they actually talk about they it directly in this book, in but this maybe book. it is in the second. No, one. that you're you're spoiling at least one book into the uh, the future. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, yes. But, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, they talk about about Moggett's nature as um, a, a free spirit that had been bound yeah. by the charter. Yeah. And so he's not he's not truly conquered. He's simply contained. Y- yes. Um, and, and well, this I guess you bringing up the free magic is a good point because th- there's the charter, and that's what 
most of the characters actually use and wield, but there is a thing as such a, such a thing as free magic, and that's what um, mm-hmm. it seems like some of the rogues might use that. Um, but it's my take on it is the charter you sacrifice the raw power of free magic in order to control it, whereas yeah. free magic is much stronger, but you can't control it, yeah. and it seems like it will consume you if you use it too yeah. much or twist you or you know. Um, turn yeah, you to its purpose rather seems than the reverse. More elemental, and then maybe the charter yeah. is the the tool that you can use to harness some of that free magic, but n- not all of it, or maybe a branch of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but- and she wields it through Mogget at certain opportune in certain opportune moments where it's necessary, and mm-hmm. then she has to reconstrain Mogget. Yeah, so let's talk about Mogget. Mogget is a familiar character that she meets kind of at the beginning when she goes to her father's house. She she goes to her father's house. To, that's the place she's going to start to look for him, and it's populated by servants that have been created out of spirits. Apparently, like uh, sort of like nice necromancy I, I guess they were all dead or are you talking about the the, I, the, um, I, the I thought it was more like yeah I thought it yeah, was more like helpers. golems like they yeah, were just like golems, sort of so it, yeah okay so it's, it's that's a free magic so the yeah. horse and can so yeah there's there's like these people who aren't people they're just like like uh think beauty and the beast but if they hadn't been people before they got turned <laughs> into like nicer, random it's nicer and then there's this cat he's this white cat and white cats have a there's a literary tradition of the white cat spirit causing mischief and trouble. Um, Are they always white? Yeah, in, in Celtic mythology, it's a it's a uh. white cat, um, and his name is Mogget, and he's kind of a sass ball, and he, you know, typical cat, but he knows things and he helps her, and he has and he does reveal himself to be something other than a cat, and if you take his collar off, he becomes kind of like a living flame. Yeah, that's he becomes bent much- on killing her. Yeah, this ref- the blood price must yeah, the be blood paid. Price yes, for, it's, for, for, it for makes me servitude. feel really bad for Mogget because it seems like he's okay with being trapped when he is. I mean, I don't know. The will does... imposed upon him is part of his personality yeah. when he's Mogget, but otherwise, when those constraints aren't on him, he is. So is Mogget enslaved? Is it right? I just uh, it, I ask I mean, myself this not. every time I read it, where I'm like, God, Mogget, like. What's being done to you for generations, for eons? You become this little helper to the Abhorsen. That's wrong. Yeah, it's kind of. But then, but, but then, if you look at at the end of the book and you see, well, this is perhaps the character that he originally had. Um, what uh, Roger becomes, mm-hmm. uh, then you kind of think, well, from the moral culpability of being responsible for keeping the lives of your countrymen safe absolutely you have to keep it contained if you can't destroy it you have to hold it yeah it's like that dr jekyll mr hyde thing yeah. it's like if that if that aspect but he he does not seem to have a will of his own he is compelled to help the abhorsen recontain him even if he's free no i think it's a restricted will i think it's a will through a certain lens of knowing that that he is bound to I, I don't know. I mean, I think that I think Elena's right, and I didn't think about it this way. I think that there's something about free magic that is unwieldable and dangerous, but by being a charter magic or being a contained free magic, you are you are are bound to the the things and the people that you're around, and therefore protective of them. And something else is gained out of that. Yeah, I mean, certainly Mogget as Mogget 
has, I mean, it, the, the old Abhorsen, her father, also doesn't know who Magat is. He saw something else with a different name when he was the Abhorsen. And so when Sabriel becomes the Abhorsen, it seems through the lens of that personality. So she saw a cat. Her father saw, I think, a, a little boy. An albino boy, yeah. Al- yeah, so that's interesting to me. I I want to know what what was so horrible that he did that he was consigned to this fate. But also, what does he represent? Like, it seems like there's a lot of religion... Um, and a lot of the religion of the of the charter seems sort of Catholic. You know, they they get baptized. There's there's catechisms that they say. There's rhymes that they all learn that that teach them about about their magic. So I'm like, well, what what does a figure like Moggett represent? I mean, is that like a a harnessing of an old god to serve the purposes of the new? Where I mean, yeah, forced to bear the trappings of you know the the current religion, but still deep inside like it, its heart still beats with like the sort of pagan um you know mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. paganness and the the sort of thing that was before yeah gods um, repackaged as new gods and used for other tools i mean it's kind of sad mm-hmm. it's... well it's is it sadder than ceasing to be right yeah i mean that's because that's the other option if 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 you're kind of faced with this an irresistible force in that sort of situation that's your choice assimilate or die so which do you choose right yeah and it's funny because like the more i think about Mogget, the more i think about kind of that the trope of um you know like the genie in the bottle you know like mm-hmm. this immense power that that can be wielded but it has to be contained yeah um, like a, it's, a, it's like an a old gin. trope yeah. yeah it's a really old but trope. I, i'm also thinking of of the old spirits of of Celtic mythology or, or similar where they were subsumed into other religions. Um, I mean, it's, um, you know, we're all, everybody's getting ready to put a tree in their house. Why the hell did they do that? You know, that, that kind of it's, thing. It's funny you say that, Rachel. I'm, I'm actually reading, the other book I'm reading right now is called Santa Claus, The Last of the Wild Men. And it is literally about like tracing <laughs> the lineage of Santa Claus back to the kind of original green man, wild man like fertility god, mm-hmm. uh, beast god, mm. um, and all the, the ways the rituals sort of changed and adapted over the years as they did get like layered into other purposes and religions and the original use may have been forgotten and then this element remained. And so you have to go back like three derivations to see the original, um, the originary point. It, I don't know, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Mm. I really like Maga. As he's, you know, cats in fiction are awesome, but Maga's definitely top five cats, for sure. And he's so sassy. Yeah, he's very sassy. <laughs> so here's what's funny, is I am still debating whether I want to look at my painting and see Maggot or what I originally saw. Because that's actually this is worth mentioning. It's what prompted us to choose this book Mm -hmm. uh, to start with. I bought a painting from an artist that I'd seen in a gallery at a gallery show. And I just loved the painting. It was, I call it my cat with infinity eyes. And when I, you know, emailed her afterward to ask, was it still available? And you know, how we could arrange uh, shipping and whatnot. She told me that it was uh, a portrait of Moggett from Sabria. Oh, it is Moggett. Okay. Cause I did think about your painting the whole time. I was like, God, it is like, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was at first I was like, well, okay, 
I saw a lot of things in that painting, just looking at the title, which was, I once was many things. Uh, Sam Gway is the artist, since we are talking about this. Um, and uh, I just, I saw a lot there. And I was like, I don't know if I want to know who this is. I don't know how I feel about that, because I don't, I don't want that other story. I kind of liked my story. But, you know, since you, Rachel, and then one of my other best friends love this book, I was like, okay, well... At the very least, I'll read the book and compartmentalize later if necessary. But also, Maga, and I'm still, you don't, still don't know what Maga is. Not really. Well, you still it's don't know multitude. what Maga is. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the first thing he says to her is, I, I want mm-hmm. so many things, but now I'm this. Um, so I'm still not sure how I want to take the painting, though. I mean, it's I still love it, but I don't know <laughs> if I want to look at it and think that's Maga or just go back to thinking what I thought before. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think that's have... great. Maga's just looking at you. <laughs> But yeah. um, but to but to the point of is it is it sad? Does Moggett want to be something else? Like my because my originally original feeling looking at it was kind of melancholy. Like you don't make a statement like that. Like I, I once was many things mm-hmm. without kind of having that nostalgia mm-hmm. for the things that you used to be that you no longer are, whether you have chosen not to be or can, you know, are no longer capable of being. Um, so there is a melancholy there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And cats in general tend to be pretty good symbols for that. Um, there's actually a dog character in the second book. What is it? The Liriel, the, the undutiful dog, or the, 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 the uh, unrefutable dog? The un- yeah. And we we probably shouldn't go into that because that's a totally separate book. But I think it's worth mentioning that that the character um, instead of a, a and while Mogget is present in that book, the the more important character is the the unrefutable dog. Or irrefutable, irrefutable dog. I, I don't. Remember. I can't remember. It's undisputable. Like the, the no, irascible I dog. I don't know. <laughs> it's a multi-syllable <laughs> word. If you want to read the second book in the Abhorsen books, and there are five now. There's five now. Yeah, and one just came out. Or what, is the coming fifth? Out. The fifth just came out. Golden I didn't even know there was or, four. It's called the Golden Hand, or the Golden Arm, or the Golden Sword, or. Uh, golden it, hand i think golden yeah. hand yes just is either coming out it says 2016 so it better either it came come, out in october okay yeah. yeah october so yeah um so before we get into all all the other characters um i did want to touch uh on the charters again i know we keep going back to the charters but the, it's just really interesting the way that this uh, Joey's talked about this before. There's the bloodline. So the ch- there are many charters that sort of bind the magic together. Uh, and they talk about it immediately. There's charter stones and some of the charter stones have been broken. And that's what is indicating that something is wrong. But they also talk. And I like the way that the book hands it to you as if you might know this already. Uh, it doesn't really overly explain it. So it's kind of a, a tantalizing mystery. Mm-hmm. But that there, the, that there are bloodlines that hold the charters and also objects and places. So the Abhorsons have one. The royal family has one. Um, and then there's a people called the Clare. Yeah, and they don't. They barely touch on the Clare in the first They book. just he start talking about them yeah. like, well, like, like, I should know what they are. And yeah. it's hilarious because you're like, I don't, what, who's the, who are the Clare? Like, did I miss a page? Um, but that was one of the best things about the world building to me yeah. is that he does just kind of thrust you into mm-hmm. it and let you pick up the context clues as you go, which it, it saves a lot of time and tedious explanations, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because sometimes it is, I don't know, sometimes the explanations do get a little unwieldy and it's better to just, just get to the story, dude. Just, just go. We'll figure it out. Right. And each holder of each sort of 
um, bloodline charter have different abilities. The Porson's charter is obviously with the dead. Uh, the Claire can see the future. And the past, depending and, on which kind they are, yeah. Yeah, Remem- and then... Remembrancers. Yes. Uh, I don't know exactly what the royal family is about, but certainly not memory. I think, <sighs> I think they're just royal blood. They're just the They have the magic, like Touchstone. Right, and then there's the, the wall makers. And, a, and the wall maker also, there could have been many of them, or maybe one may have also made all of the... Not just the walls, but some important buildings, the swords. Well, it's funny because, yeah, they build, they're like the blacks, the magic blacksmiths. They're like the dwarves of, of, of this, of this, of this mythology. Right. But, but I think also a Porson says that some, that Mogget may be the child of a wall maker. Is that right? Or maybe I'm, I'm I don't misremembering remember that. Because I think that maybe that may be true because Mogget was contained by the other bright shiners okay and because of his neutral or its neutral standing they 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 are the ones who bound it to some kind of servitude i don't i don't know if that's it's if sort that, of a throwaway thing that the person says so yeah it's and, and yeah yeah but it's very interesting i was like what huh nugget of information uh, and then there are the dead and free magic creatures and that's kind of like this crazy world of amazing magic and like you can kind of do whatever you want like you can make gliders that fly you can well it's funny because the porcelain are responsible for the paper wings that exist right although it seems like other people can make like maybe there are wall makers that have made other paper wings but they specifically say that the paper wings were made by previous generations of the of, of, of a porcelain the claire seem to have several paper wings they can also make magical objects so i don't know what's so unique about wall make wall makers that are that that other different classes of that system can't do right. i know cuz again we we get into kind of the second book but um there is a character who is a wall maker and, and he, he's able to create magical objects with ease. Maybe it's an effortless thing. Maybe it's more effortless for wall makers, but yeah. Okay. So anything else we want to talk about um, the magic system before we move on to characters? Um, well, do we, is this the point where we should go back and circle back to describing the realm of the dead and how that functions? Yeah. So, um, the dead, and I thought that this may or may not be per, like, sort of like Mogget, like maybe it was individual to each of Porson, but it seems like Sabriel and her father see this the same way, but death is a series of, of waterfalls and rivers, and each time a river turns into a waterfall, it becomes a gate, and each gate is obviously deeper and and heavier and more and closer to the ultimate death. So it's kind of, uh, you know, the nine levels of hell kind of thing, but nicer. But without the hell. Without yeah. the poo rain. It's more like how otherworldly you get, the, like, farther into, Dream-like. Like, astral and plane. It's an yeah. astral plane thing because you they just slide into death, but their bodies are still in the, in, in the living realm, but they are also, and they seem to be able to take objects back and forth. And they they each take other. certain objects. I think a porcelain objects are able to to Could go to between go that. Forth. Yeah, I don't know about other ones, but well, I know that there's a scene where Sabriel and and her father are in death, and they they trade objects, and then when they return, that is 
also how it that is in happened, real life. Yeah. That has happened mm-hmm. somehow. <laughs> I think that's like like the person who was observing it was like, "What? Suddenly they have different yeah, objects." Yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't go into how that would look visually. You just you just kind of take it. Yeah, I just like it because it's it's a it's both a description of like an awesome natural power. And also mm-hmm. kind of dark. Like, I, I think of it as, like, there's nothing around it. It's all, like, this river inside, like, a black, like, they're, they're, that you can't see far. It's just the river. Yeah. And the river seems to have a voice and things kind of swim through it. And it's, I just love it. Yeah. It, it's funny because, like, there's a lot of characters who are stuck in certain levels. Like, I think that Touchstone is actually stuck in a level. He's stuck inside. Inside one of the he, levels. He's, he, he's in the realm of death, but he's not beyond the first gate. Yeah, so, yeah. Because yeah. each, um, each level has this section of river before you get to the waterfall mm-hmm. slash gate. So, you know, he hasn't gone. Like, he's he's basically being held in sort of suspension where he's not truly, his spirit isn't truly dead. It hasn't passed on. It's in but stasis, yeah. You know, but he because and he's not past the first gate, but he's not in life either. Like he's been yeah. disconnected from his body. Yeah, it's funny because I, I every time I, I read this book, it always makes me think of like that scene in in, in um, Princess Bride where they're like, he's not all dead. He's mostly dead. He's only mostly dead. And it's like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. If you're alive. Yeah, but mostly dead is slightly alive. So they can always return him as long as he's not mostly dead. It seems like you, I mean, how long it, it takes, it takes Sabriel a really long time to find her father's body. And he's kind of okay when she gets he's there. To, I mean, he's there. I'm like, okay. Three so, weeks, I think. Four yeah. Weeks. So your, your body is is it, and co- becomes covered in frost. There's like a coldness associated. And, and, that's fine. It's it just puts you in stasis. It's like cryo freeze, like right. Which is, I guess, what happened to Touchstone. Except he, instead of becoming frosty, he becomes wooden. They made him into a wooden. Yeah, that apparently that wasn't a person who did, did that. that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, but that, the, yeah, that's someone who did that to him, not to preserve, something that. Yeah, right. So let's talk about Touchstone. Poor Touchstone. So the reason that he was the prow of a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was because he went... A hood ornament. He became a hood ornament because he, he went crazy psycho when he witnessed the death of his... What is revealed in the... Mother, two sisters. Of his and... sister and his mother. Um, yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, he, they're sacrificed by his brother to break the charter, the royal... the I, I guess assume the royal charter. Um, yeah. And... He goes crazy, and it's like this thing. We're like, yeah, he just he just freaked out. So they kind of like shut him off because he just he was just like malfunctioning. And the abhorsum <laughs> took him, and it's like we need we'll need you later because you're clearly we need the royal charter, so we need you to be alive, and I need you to be safe somewhere. But you're crazy, so kind of just let him. I think Sabriel says that you can heal in death, or that it took two hundred years or something, and that's how long he was frozen and. That was a healing for him <laughs> mentally, I guess. But then, then he Although does it again. Kind of interesting, because well, but but it was interesting that that was healing for him because he has no memory or like sense of time. For mm-hmm. him, it was yeah. like one minute I'm on the verge of madness, and the next I'm waking up to these strangers, and it's two hundred years later, and I'm not crazy. Anymore. All in all, yeah, he he's not in, it well. He's not in berserk mode when 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 she restores him. He just says thank you or right. something, which it's like I guess he's somewhat aware of what what had happened. I want to know why the abhorsen that put him at, that turned him into a wooden prow head, whatever, was, an ornament. 
felt the need to make him all naked. Why didn't you? They leave for him for dirty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, she needed pleasure. something. Jeez, she went to an all girls school. <laughs> I mean, like the, she's like, oh yes, he's handsome, and there's his penis. That's like the second. She's like, she's like, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna look. And then she looks, and then she does. <laughs> it's like, oh, Garth Nix. No, it's like it's like it's like that VH1 show. Though the dating naked. Dating naked. They don't look. They don't look, and then they look. I can't believe we're talking about dating well, naked. Um, well, maybe it was maybe it's just a nod to the fact that the uh, classical, you know, female ship mast was topless, although. They at least usually faded into either mermaid or nothing by the time they got below, but <laughs> below decks, as it were. <laughs> below decks. So yeah, so that's the first thing she's like, oh yeah, he's kind of handsome, and there's his dick, and that's nice too, and this is all going very well. I think I'll wake him up. That's kind of like she takes a look at his dick, and she's like, yeah, I'm gonna wake this guy up. But then she has morals and won't kiss him because she's like, I don't know how he would feel about a stranger like kissing him awake. He might not like that. Yeah, no, so yeah, so she, going to. So she just breathe on no him. consent. No consent. Yeah, she's into that. So she, she's like, I'll look, but I won't touch in, in, until I have your consent. Yeah. <laughs> you know. She's very respectful. She's, yeah. You know. I think it's just like she can't bring herself to kiss him. So she just ends up being like, eh, and just like becomes like a breath. And then he's like, all right, I'm, I'm coming through. So, yeah. So they, they go on this adventure. She wakes him up. He's immediately like, yes, I will help you. He's he's very well adjusted. He's yeah, one of he those is. like classic characters that are like, yes, I will. I don't know. I have nothing to do. I'm going to just yes. devote my whole he's life the to. Sur- yeah, soldier the servile yeah. valet. Yeah. So, but then he does have a berserker moment again. And it's the most embarrassing thing that I've ever <laughs> read. He's like huffing like it's a like freight frothing train, at frothing at the mouth. He's just like running so fast that he runs <laughs> 10 minutes ahead of a bunch of pirates. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he doing, guys? <laughs> like, I just, I think of like, the the scene from uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail where he keeps looking at the knight and the knight has, isn't getting any closer and he's not getting any closer and then suddenly <laughs> he's just running him over. Like, it's so embarrassing. Like, you read the whole thing and you're like, Touchstone, Jesus, just like, <laughs> chill out. And yeah. see, I actually, I didn't, I didn't find it embarrassing at all. To me, it seemed, um, I guess, a demonstration of the royal charter showing through because they have to have some kind of talent and um, (laughs) presumably if if they're kind of the royal house and the leaders of the country it would involve either um, defense of country or like preserving the kind of stability and fertility of the land and really any of those things do sort of lend themselves to yeah, Superman. Yeah, he's a good so, he's a good fighter. Me, Although the frothing at the mouth isn't the rage, the rage. Well, but, but that gene. was okay. So he, <laughs> what what I took that as is because I guess also filtered through Sab- Sabriel thinking like God, what if his heart stops? I have to get him out of this. It was like the Charter had kind of taken him over, and that that's the that was his equivalent of her turning to ice or getting frosted over. Yeah, she's in death is when he's in that place like his his body is disconnected from his spirit almost. Yeah. He's in the zone. He's in the rage zone. The rage zone, the berserker zone. (laughs) It's just funny though, because like he shows up and there's some, you know, there's some Claire there and they're like, she's like, we have to go. There's, there's people right behind us. And they're like, no, he ran so fast that they're like 10 minutes behind. So we're good. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a bit. Of, it was a little Deus Ex Machina, but that's okay. <laughs> Because, you, so you know, you, you do need some sort of explanation and time to talk about trivialities. Um, yeah. In that moment. For those two to have, have their weird little, like, the, you know, introduction to the Claire. Like, here they are. They're, Is right. that when they're escaping? Um, yeah, and they have a paper wing. That's that. That's when they. Yeah, that's when they're 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 busting out of Belisair, right? Yes. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. getting they're going back to the wall and they're leaving. Um, Caligore. Now that's a scene that I, I I'm really murky on. Is 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 what happened at that moment? But um... so her so she and um, Sabriel and Touchstone and Mogget make it to Belisair, which is the used to be the capital city and right. is now kind of in shambles. And, and there's they, only a little bit of people there. They go down to the to the sewers or whatever. They, they go down to. It's like a deep grotto where the charter, the royal charter yeah. stone is, and that's where it all happened. That's where Caragor um, killed his family to break the charter, and it's it's like waist high water. Yeah, and they're they're there, and that's where the Abhorson's body has been sort of suspended because that's where he had confronted Caragor, mm-hmm. and. So they're they're in the water and it's dark and they're there during the day, but there's only like pieces of, of light that float down. And then if a cloud goes over, it gets very dark. And then they create um, a diamond of protection right, because right. they know that there's dead everywhere. And Sabriel goes into death to sort of pull her father out. And they have a whole kind of touching hundred heartbeats moment where she realizes that she can't save her father. Yeah, she has to come to terms with the fact that he's done. Yeah, know. but her father is able to say, but I can make sure that you can get out of here and save the world. So they're, they're while they're doing that in death in the rivers, um, Touchstone is on the outside, like, listening to the hordes and hordes of dead clacking yeah, and gnashing. the hordes and, and then the, 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 the Mordecant. I guess the, the Mordecant and then and, eventually yeah, Caragor. Yeah, it's like a all whole parade. Up. Yeah, they're just like all gathered around. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, it's just like a whole party. And Sa- and Sabriel and doesn't. I mean, they can feel it because she can feel the dead. They get they know something's happening, but they're not there, so they're not. So Touchstone is in fact alone, and it's the first time he's been alone with Mogget. He's with Mogget, but Mogget isn't a person. So it's the first time he's been alone and in the space since the last memory he had. And he's there with Caragor, who turns out that's his half-brother, who turned himself into a horrible monster when he killed his family. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of a very emotional moment for him. And we're still not in Touchstone's head, really, until they run. So they, they, they come out of death and the older person... Tell Sabriel, just run. And so you don't know what happens to him, but you know that they attack him and he dies, but there isn't a scene. So all you have is is Sabriel and Touchstone and Mogget running up. Actually, no, the Mogget stays with the older person. And she leaves her sword in, in some of her bells. She does? Yeah. She leaves equipment there? Yeah. Yeah. She leaves well, equipment he, he, there. He, 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 he needs it. Before, oh, well, well, this is what, he rings what Rachel the bell was talking about. Sleeper, right? That, yeah, that the puts sleeper, everyone right. to death. Is, does that where, kill Caragor at that moment? No, it pushes him back into the gate so that they have enough time to get out. It pushes him back far enough into death where he needs to like recover so that they are, they can run. Oh. So they're running up the stairs, and while they're running up the stairs, we're suddenly in Touchstone's brain, and Touchstone's like, I love her. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, 
Well, he kissed her at that point. No, he wants to, or he no, I guess he kisses. He does. He, she kisses he him does. in order to remind. Oh, him. Oh, right, yeah, it's he's, very. He's falling into it's death. Mushy. And so, in order to remind him of life, she kisses him and bites his lip really hard. Yeah. And he's it's, like, oh, I'm into this, awkward. live! It's very awkward. Yeah, and then they're kind of awkward afterwards, but he's like, yes, I love her because she put her lips on me. Yeah. It's a really a, weird, awkward, like, very YA. Yeah, in a way a that, very YA moment. In a way that YA is not anymore. Like, YA now is just about teasing emotions until it's just like you just want to die to get out of it. It's like, kill yourself or fuck or something. <laughs> But this is more like you're an adventure and something has happened and so the emotions are high and so oh I guess we're I guess we're going to hook up. <laughs> I mean that's it. It's just one kiss. That's all we get. Yeah, that's all you get. Yeah. One weird don't die kiss. And then yeah. they're running and then the Claire and then they have paper wings and Ma gets off behind and then and then they think she thinks that Ma is probably dead but she's not 100% sure and then Ma get kind of shows up at the end. He, I don't know if Mogget can die, but then at the end, yeah, there is that moment. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like he... He's impervious almost. So Caragor seems to... So when Caragor shows up again, right, He he's able to like wake back up and he, he goes south of the wall because it turns out that the reason that he can't be killed is because he's hidden his body. And his body is south Horcrux. of the wall. Yeah, very hor- very Horcrux. Horcrux. Very Voldemort. <laughs> very it's, it Horcrux. does. It does. Yes, definitely. Uh, two years before Harry Potter, so Garfield is probably like, "Hey, hey, hey Joe, where's my chick?" <laughs> but he, so they, you know, they find the sarcophagus, which ha- turns out it's right next to Sabriel's old yeah. school, <laughs> and so, which is apparently why why the Abhorson had put placed her there. Oh, really? That's yeah. Is that, that from the future the, books? No, I think that that's actually mentioned at some point. Oh, that, okay. That uh, well, it's me- it's mentioned that one of the Claire said that he would. That there would be an, a person that needed to know about the land beyond the wall. Alisair, but, yeah. Yeah, but I, there were plenty other reasons for her to have been placed at that particular school to make it logical that her father would have put her there if he didn't specifically know that's where the body was. Yeah, I don't was. think he did, because if he had, he yeah, would they have didn't killed know. it. They didn't know the exact location. Yeah, I think yeah. Elena's right. I, I, there was yeah, some sort of magic a, on the space, because when Sabriel is, when it's revealed to her where where the sarcophagus is, she's like, oh yeah, I've been there. She's like, gosh, every time I go there, I kind of just forget it's there. So it's like there's a magic on there's, it that well, makes people overlook it. Is that right? It's not just a, it's not Which, like a, yeah. Well, I, well, I was going to say, it, it, it does... Um, it does make sense that there's a finite radius in which he could have put his body because we didn't really talk about this with the magic, but beyond the wall for, you know, some 30, 50 miles, you can still sort of feel the charter magic and still sort of use it. But the further away you go, like the more that dims until it's just completely gone. Yeah. So he he's still within that band of the charter magic still works. So it, it's sort of like that. Uh, you know, hinterland where it's in between. Mm-hmm. It is on the other side of the wall, but the magic still holds. Which, if you know, to your point, if he's got it spelled, so you stay away from it or you forget about it, um, like those charter spells wouldn't work if it was further south. Yeah, and apparently his his because of the corruption of the magic on him, it makes charter users very ill to be around them. So she. She so one of the people we didn't talk about at the beginning of the book when she's making her way north, we find out that she's got a pretty good relationship with the headmistress at her school, and yeah, 
these adult figures that she gets along well with almost as if they've always been equals and then she on her way north she meets this captain and he's just a soldier who's a charter mage a very low level charter mage but you know he works for the southern kingdom and he's the guy who watches the wall and makes sure nobody crazy comes through or nothing weird happens. And he knows who the Abhorson is. The Abhorson has come and, like, helped them put up, like, wards and but stuff. But who are they hired by? That's something I never really understood. Is like, are they are they hired by the by Alisair? That's a- yeah. Yes. They're Alisarian. They're not. Okay. The they're kingdom. not They're not from the Old Kingdom. No. Because the Old Kingdom is an anarchy right now. So there wouldn't be any funds or right. resources they being allocated to They are organized and paid by whatever government is south of the wall, which is unknown if that is a kingdom or a democracy yeah. or. What is it? Yeah. It's not but really. They, yeah. So he. So she has met him. And on her way down, because he's he's the guy that guards the gate, they see him. He sees them again. And she recruits him and all of his soldiers and their tanks and their guns to like come help her. Because they are part of the charter magic, they know that it's real, and they know that the Abhorson is real, so she can just call on them for aid, and they fucking answer. Like, they don't... I mean, yeah, there's, like, a they, page they know of it's, They know it's important. That's why they're there. Yeah, it's yeah. why they're there. That's their job. So they go, and they find the sarcophagus. They drag it to her school, and they, they set up her school as a place to be under siege by Caragor <laughs> yeah. and his minions of and dead. zombie apocalypse. And it's really sad because the... The captain kind of has like a sight that he might, he's probably going to die. And the abhor, it's really weird having your main character be a a, a grim reaper because she's not like, it's okay, you're going to be great. She's like, yeah. Yeah. You're going to die. <laughs> like, yeah, it gets, it's pretty dark. Yeah, and she's like, oh, you have a daughter who's my age. And that sucks. That's what I'm saying. Kiss her tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's real sad. So, like, you know, there's all this death and people dying and some of her classmates die and she uses some of her classmates some of the ones that are able to do a little bit of charter magic to help her break the protections on Caragor's body so that they can eventually kill him and the thing that helps them is Mogget like Caragor shows up and she realizes by looking into Caragor's eyes that he's somehow consumed Mogget because she can see the flame yeah, he consumes her. He consumes Mogget at some point. Yeah, so Mogget's just like in well, Mogget stayed with her father um, right. in the in the reservoir. The only it was only her and Touchstone who ran out. Right. So um, what uh, her father has his sword and the bells that he used, and uh, Mogget stayed with him. And so when um, you know the Caragor comes back, she can see Mogget's flame in his eyes and. You know, isn't sure, but suspects that he had consumed Mogget in the course of destroying her father, and but her father putting him back beyond at least the first gate. Yeah. So then she's able to use the same system that she does to make Mogget into a cat again in order to defeat Caragor, which is great. I love the way that all those things connect. She doesn't... Yes. She doesn't make up a new spell. She doesn't come up with, like, a new way. She uses something that an abhorsen, you know, 100 years ago, 300 years ago, already invented. The ring? The ring. Well, and it, yeah, and, which and is a piece a of storytelling. Yeah. And as a piece of storytelling, it's also something that we've seen before that it seemed either just innocuous or world-building or, oh, well, that's an interesting twist on the character mm-hmm. when we saw it before. But then it, it weaves back in very uh, elegantly. Mm-hmm. And it kills him horribly and like skin, like slides his skin off top to bottom, 
Until, to Caragor? To Caragor, until finally... It's very Howl's Moving Castle, that whole kind of fight scene. That's all I could think about was the way, if you've seen the Miyazaki version of, of Howl's Moving Castle, the way that mm-hmm. he consumes Calcifer and how Calcifer is pushed in and out of him and how he holds his heart and how they, they're one and then they're split and they become two distinct beings. Again, it's very much the same kind of visual. And... I loved it. And then, of course, he turns into a black cat. So there's a black cat and a white cat. There's a black cat and a white cat. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really... And I'm like, kick the shit out of that black cat. The black cat... See, I think well, that's... Well, then you also... Yeah. Well, then you also have a new twist on Moggett's character. Like, yeah. Like, is that the kind of being Moggett had been before? Yeah. Like, like was he, he an asshole? You know, did he actually start neutral or did he start, like, evil? Yeah, and it's weird because I don't I don't know who I don't know who um Caligor is supposed to be. Is he supposed he's not he's not one of the bright shiners. He's kind of his own dark magic Her, energy, free energy. He's the prince. Well he was he originally. Was. He, he was, was a human spirit that right. went rogue and yeah. corrupted and but gathered you know, kind power, of I guess, right? She called him yeah. um well, there's the Mordecant, and then she called them the first dead or the high dead. Or... There's a lesser dead, and then there's that, yeah, the Mordecants are the highest, like... But then there's beings, like, I guess being from the deep levels. Yeah, from the deep levels. And that's another thing that's really sad, is in, in the hundred heartbeats that, that Sabriel has with her father before he dies, he says something like, I've never heard... Like, we all know from the horrors that we can hear through the gates. I've been to the last gate. I've been as far as you can go. And I've heard the horrors. And I've seen the terrible things. And I know that we all go there someday. That's pretty dark. And it's just like, damn. Like, there is no... It just, not, there does not appear to be a heaven in this 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 world. It's just darkness and, and water. It wasn't even... Well, they don't... Yeah. You, but you don't know what what's beyond the black gate and i mean it seems to me that if you are a normal spirit you probably just go with the river and you go quickly and you pass through um but i don't know is it just is it kind of the piece of permanent dissolution or is it a rebirth or some kind of event horizon like that's the thing is the abortion could only go to the edge of the ninth gate if he goes beyond it he can't come back from that so he doesn't actually know right I mean, and then at the all end, evidence points to like just but, dissolution yeah. and nothingness, at but end, you don't though, actually know. Sabriel almost dies at the end, and she, she is connects dying. With the Porsons, and then all the Porsons from before they show re- up, yeah. and they're like, you, "You're staying it's alive." Very, it's very so it's Avatar-esque. Like, yeah. Where, yeah, very Avatar-esque. And it's like, where did they come from? If they had all passed through the gates, but she does say she doesn't know if it's really them or if they're just constructs, like they're guardians or something. But they're some kind of entity. Have something to. It could have something to do with the charter, like, that's bound to the Abhorsen's bloodline. Right. You know, maybe the magic in her blood rose up, and that was just the Mm. form it took. Although, the whole thing, like, the way that that's described, she was standing, she gets stabbed with her own sword, and then the shadow of the cross hilt of her sword is, is on her face. So I'm like, is she just like she's impaled? She's impaled and like how you come back from that? Not even in the on the ground. She's just like hovering above the ground with a sword through her, and just like yeah, okay, I'm dead. But then it had everything to do with the fact that she wasn't replaceable. Yeah, there wasn't another abortion. There wasn't another. So she kind of had to live. Which gets to my point. I think it's a terrible idea for Sabriel and Touchstone to hook up. Yeah. Because Touchstone is the only living member of the Royal Charter, and then Sabriel is the Abhorsen Charter. If they have a child, that's combining charters into one bloodline. That's very risky. 
Well, I, yeah, she, yeah, she had, like, only one kid. Yes, but it seems to be important that they are separate and that they're not in one person. Right. I didn't... Well, I, I would take that as you need to have four kids because you both need an heir and a spare. Yeah, <laughs> an heir and a spare. But how do you but know... Yeah, you shouldn't... I guess you, there's no way to know how the charters will manifest in each child, but... Right, and and I think they... Um, when the When the Claire showed up, I feel like there was... I don't know. I thought there was an implication that they that all of the charter bloodlines were kind of interrelated and intermingled. Um, so it might be that uh, you know you have uh, some like some of them would only get one bloodline and some kids would only get the other, or at least the charter you know of the other. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily see it as a problem unless they only have one kid. Then you have an issue. Then like at some point somebody has to like repopulate that shit so you have multiple branches on the tree. What if it's like like you're 75 years old, you're dying, you're Sabriel, you're like, finally, I will ascend to the ninth gate. And they're like, bitch, get up. You need to have kids. Yeah. Like, dust off that vagina. That's gonna require some some major free magic to get that shit working. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Moggit, I need your help, dude. (laughs) Oh, God. Albino boy time. Albino boy time. Oh. <laughs> like I just thought about that the whole time. I was like, "Stop kissing! Stop kissing! This is a bad match." I'm this like, is a bad match. This is a bad match." I'm like that <laughs> aunt that comes in that's like, "No, you shall not see each other anymore." <laughs> like, kissing cousins. Yeah, you will find a better. You will find someone else. Well, it's funny because the second book does have their kids in it. Oh yeah, and, and, and those those pro- those those bloodlines manifest themselves individually between the kids. So. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely worth a read. Lyriel is definitely worth the read if you liked Sabriel and you wondered what happened to those characters. It's not like and each God Emperor Doom where you don't get it. Yeah, it's like 500,000. Yeah, it's not later. like that. You yeah, get each, the immediate generation. Each book is generational, which I, I like. Well, well, Lyriel and Abhorsen, the two in the second and third book, follow each other in that same generational line. So Lyriel, it continues off where Lyriel left off. Right. Now, I don't know about the fourth and fifth book, but yeah. They... Yeah. I like that because, you know, as as YA now is very into trilogies, it's very into as many books as you can use those. I mean, oh, you wrote three books? Can you also write two novellas to go between the books about that are, you know, like, it's very obsessed yeah. with those characters. I like that he's really just created a world and a system and a, and a lore. It's really more about the lore than it is even about the characters. I mean, I like Sabriel, but she's she's kind of a Hermione. You like, could have picked up any any uh, generationally. It's not like I mean, these are uh, this this event was particularly important. Yeah. But they don't get into like the real threat. They don't get into like this the 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 real like um, not Sauron necessarily, but they don't get into the who's the who's the the evil the great evil that that is fueling Sauron in Lord of the Rings. Oh. oh uh. More something. <laughs> oh my god! People are yelling at us right now. Yeah, because we don't have it. We don't okay. know it. It's not there. It's not immediate. It's okay because this was not the Lord of the Rings reread podcast. This right, was the Sabriel podcast. Thank you. So, um... <laughs> it's uh, yeah, the, uh, the the great evil ca- Lucifer esque character from Lord of the Rings. Morgoth. Morgoth. Yes. Yeah. Morgoth. Yeah. You get into Morgoth fish character in the second and third books. So Satan. 
Uranus. Right, but in, in this yeah. book, they, they thought, they, but in this book, they thought Caragor might have been the one behind it. So you have to have some distance of time for then the bad shit to still keep happening to realize, okay, he wasn't the ultimate bad guy. But they He's don't not, know that yet. Yeah. So, because even even um, Sabriel's father thought that Caragor might have been like the great evil. Right. Um, and also, I so, think it's also important to note. This is not the first time. That was not the first time that Sabriel died. Well, she, she died at the beginning. Is she that, dies yeah, when at she's the very born. beginning. Yeah. She's, yeah, she dies when she's born, and then she's brought back. So apparently, if you're an Aborison and there's no other Aborison, you're you're staying Don't alive. Don't have kids. You'll live forever. You'll live forever. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you have that child, you're fucked. Well, not necessarily, because the they talked about the some of the apportions that had been before and how some of them were, oh, that was your aunt or your great, great, great aunt. So obviously, you know, some of them had more than one children, more than one child to create like multiple paths for the bloodline to follow. So I think that what makes Sabriel special. They said she was the last. Yeah. She was was the last. It was just her. So. Yeah. So how you, that's how you live forever. So really what, what Caragor did wrong was he didn't kill enough of his family. If he had just killed enough of his family, he probably would have just stayed alive forever. Who? Roger. Roger. Roger? Yeah. Um... Because he, like, did all this shit to, like, make him... He, like, he left, he went to school, and when he came back, he was already dead. He had already hidden his body and become... Yeah, he he Voldemorted at that point. He Voldemorted at that point. But he... He didn't have to because obviously the way to cheat the charter magic is to just make sure you're the only one with the charter. Well, he he would have have to have been the royal bloodline. He was. He was the crown prince. He was. Right, he was the but, crown prince. Yeah, you're right. I guess by preserving Touchstone, that a person had made it so. That... Yeah, if he had killed Touchstone right. as well as his sisters and his mother. I feel like we're imposing rules that weren't like actually thought into that <laughs> you're not supposed to want to live forever <laughs> yeah this is like, it's not what this Sunday is quarterbacking on the villains like master yeah, plan yeah exactly. so basically basically he fucked up by thinking that you know he needed to break the charter like no dude just like kill the all your family in accidents you, you don't have dude. to break a charter stone <laughs> don't just, break a charter stone just kill your family don't break the charter stone just get 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 in control of that shit the yeah end. there's no reason to turn the turn the world shitty you can keep the world nice and live forever <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just pissed off he couldn't be in a person. But he was he's he's the king. Like it's the same. Do we know that? I mean he doesn't get to dick around with death as much, but he certainly has I mean, obviously we know from Touchstone that he has aspects that he can access. Yeah, the the rage. He could do other things, and maybe he could grow crops really well and I think that's the Maybe peasant. Maybe he can fuck really well. Yeah, he's probably really good. Yeah. <laughs> he can fuck really well. <laughs> well, that's the problem. You'd have to be celibate because if you, especially as a dude, if you made even one. Lambskin condoms. If you made any one, then the charter <laughs> would kill your ass and be like, well, you're a thousand years old. You're done. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe we just explained why he, uh. 
thought why he rethought that initial plan. He's like, nope, I gotta divorce myself from this body and kill them all. <laughs> break this fucking charter. What, what, what is his goal? Is he really trying to to completely break the charter? That's what he says. He says he he cannot be killed. That's what he keeps saying over and over again. Is you cannot kill me. So he wants to be he wants to be a disembodied soul that's able to live forever. Well, I don't think he wants to be disembodied. Yeah. He seems to take no he seems to t- have a shame in the fact that he doesn't have a beautiful body anymore. Right, but that's the trade-off. I mean, in order to be to in order to be like this 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 eternal creature, you have to be non-corporeal. Well, there's I mean, we've just discussed how that's not true. Well, I mean, yeah, I know, but I mean, like, obviously, <laughs> the, the part, that's not that's not what uh, that's not what Garth Nix was thinking when he created Karen right, like, <laughs> like the part that, the part that's living forever is his spirit, which with with all the Aporsons dead, no one would be able to banish him beyond the ninth gate if right. like his spirit has accumulated the power to stand against the river for as long as it wants. So then it's just when he wants to come, actually interact with the real world, he has to borrow a body. I like that they they do talk about how much Touchstone and Caragor look the same, and how that freaks Sabriel out. She's like, "Ooh, like really?" I missed yeah, that part she of hesitates detail. about burning his body because she's like, "It's like I'm burning <laughs> Touchstone." Ooh. Yeah, even though he's a bastard. Yeah, well, Touchstone's the bastard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's another bastard well, coming in to save the world. Like, yeah, man, what the hell? But he was the son of the queen, and the queen was the royal one. So, in the charter sense, he wasn't at all. He was. It was there. Like, didn't matter. Didn't matter who she boinked. Yeah. yeah, like she was the queen was the one that had the charter, not the not her consort that sired her children within matrimony. Right. What else can we talk about? Um, that's kind of it. I well, like... Just, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, just as kind of a wrap-up side point about the world-building, I fully agree with what you said, that what was fascinating here was not the characters. I mean, they were great, but honestly, what was cool was the world itself and just the the richness of it and there were so many nuggets that he kind of dropped and walked away from uh, so it just it really he did a really good job of not putting too much in but yeah. definitely giving you enough to see there's this whole other like there's this whole world out there and you've only kind of scratched the surface of it along with Sabriel she has so much to learn and so much to just sort of figure out about this world um and that's, I think, to me, it's it's the best kind of world building because it's not, because um, it does leave so much room for your imagination to then like play with it and kind of expand it and think about it. And I, I really appreciated that. It was, um, yeah, it was well done. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that world building and exposition that are done elusively and effortlessly are definitely more sophisticated than. Um, exposition that is just told to you. Mm-hmm. And I I think Rachel's right. I think he must have thrown out pages and pages worth of where he was trying to explain it to you. And then he was like, no, I want this to feel effortless. I want you to be there. And yeah, I think that's a huge strength. Yeah. And I think, I really do think it is a hallmark of stories written in the late 80s and 90s. It is something that you don't see too much anymore. I, I, I go through Amazon because I have a Kindle just looking for books that I, and I don't even know how to explain the kind of feeling that the magic will give me, but Robin McKinley does it. Garth Nix does it. 
Um, Diana Wynne Jones does it. It's a it's an assumption that you understand the lore as if it is based on a history that I should know. Mm -hmm. Now, is it because there is kind of a tradition there? Is it because it's based on tropes it's, that are already It's exist? very European, very kind of British magic kind of. It is. It does feel like British magic yeah. of, the, of the late. Yeah, which is weird because Garth Nix, Garth Nix is uh, Australian, but I guess Commonwealth or whatever. So. God, that's a Commonwealth. <laughs> sort of British. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in, in terms of the sort of traditions that would have been been there culturally, yes, um, the, the the folkways and the the lore. Um, yeah, not non Aboriginal Australian, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so, are you guys doing? Is this podcast sci-fi and fantasy, just fantasy? No, it's going to be it's, about whatever we want each other to read. So it, does, it could be a cookbook? Yeah. I mean, I hope Elena doesn't make me read a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> but I am willing I am willing to read a cookbook, yes. <laughs> if there was a cookbook that I found so compelling it had changed my life, I would consider it. I don't. I don't think there is. So you're probably off the hook. Is the but, cookbook like um, a magic book? Are, are we talking? Am I gonna? Are there spells? Are in there it? spells in it? Is the Eye of Newt involved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, no, I think it's born uh, out of us just kind of always talking. I mean, readers always have piles and piles of books, and it's like yep. the reader's dilemma. It's like, ah, oh, I, I, I want to read all these new books, but I want to reread these old books that I love and. For me, there are certain books that you read them and they become part of you. They're like, they're an aspect of your personality. And I think, and the way that you have empathy, especially if they're books that you read when you were young, which I did when I read mm -hmm. Sabriel. So it's, it's. How old were you when you read Sabriel? 12. See, I, I only just found out about this book like two years ago. So I have to tell you, the reason I picked up this book, if you find the cover of Sabriel that has the drawing on it where she's got the black hair and the blue jacket and it's like wind is coming. Oh, that's I, so compelling. I loved that cover. And when I was, I mean, I just loved it. It was like, this is beautiful. I want everything about this painting. I had no idea what the story was about. I picked it up solely based on that cover. And if you, I think it's on the Wikipedia page. If you Google Sabriel, that's the picture that they use. So that's why I picked it up. And here's what's funny. Like that picture is why I remembered the name of the book because I saw it in a catalog, probably not, I don't know. It would have been a few years after it came out because it was in one of those like discount catalogs. And I was like, what book is that? Huh? Well, I don't know that author and I've never heard of it and I don't see it in stores. So I don't know what this is, but like it, I remembered the name. And if, at some point I did actually, I guess once Amazon really flourished, I did look it up and I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And it got added to my list of books I want to read. But I have a really long list of books. <laughs> and so... Like, yeah. for what I want out of the podcast is like, okay, here's an excuse to kick that book to the top of the list. Yeah. So, um, it, because there's, I know there's a lot of classics, uh, especially within like the science fiction and fantasy genres that I missed. I had, I mean, I certainly nerded out like a motherfucker as a kid and read a lot of them, but there were a lot that I didn't read too, obviously. So. Yeah. There's always holes. You can't read. I mean, we don't live long enough to read everything, yeah. but we want to, we want to read right. the books that are important to the people that we know because we want to understand right. those people it, more. And yeah. If this book is truly a part of you and how you understand the world, then like that's going to help me understand you. It's, you know, I want, I want to see that, that lens too. 
Yeah. The illustration of the cover is by Leo and Diane Dillon. So hmm. props to them. I no, looked it so up on Wikipedia. by a couple. Yeah, it's a really, I don't know, it's a very, it's also a very old-fashioned looking illustration. It's just, everything about it is old-fashioned, but but is newer than you think. 1995 wasn't that's, that that's long ago. That's pretty recent, yeah. I mean, what, old. Game of Thrones was in probably what? what? It was around the same time, I think. Uh, Game of Thrones it was, was either yeah. second or third book was out. No, I think like the I, first I would say, one came out I think 90. the first book came out in like 94, 95. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so yeah. I would say this is... In, in a really weird way, this is an interesting contrast to that that was the same publication year for both because Sabriel mm-hmm. is kind of the, the culmination of this, um, you know, tradition of sort of straightforward. It's, it's not simple in that it's simple problems or simple solutions, but it's simple in that it's small there's cast no double crossing. There's, yeah. you know, there's, it's, it's a smaller cast. It's you just kind of you know that the story is just going to be the story. And then compare that with like this just relentless kind of world building and nobody's who you think they are. And, you know, there's so much detail and so like every little thing is kind of explored that you get in Game of Thrones and plus like the grittiness and the darkness and but but almost like it's a different kind of darkness. It's a it's a very human darkness as opposed to this um, Mm -hmm. just sort of this is. The, the, I don't know the 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 fatalism of the world has a darkness to it in in the old kingdom. Yeah, it feels Sabriel feels more like a fairy tale. It happens oh, yeah. in the same realm yes. that that Beauty and the Beast happens in, yeah. or or Hansel and Gretel. It's that like it's that tradition. Absolutely, it's that yeah. tradition. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yes, have you decided the book that you're going to assign me for the next cast, Elena? Well. I think I'm going to stick with my initial pick, which actually continues the fairy tale theme um, very beautifully. Uh, the Winter Rose by Patricia McKillop. Okay, so that which will be what we this, read next. Yes, as a as a as a teaser, this book is literally what I aspire to be as a writer writing kind of fantasy art um, storytelling. So, uh, thanks for joining us for Sabriel Joey. You're welcome, Rachel. I know this is one of your books, and also. You've never been on a podcast with me before. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually being yelled at for making noise in the background. But now <laughs> I can make noise in the background and actually be part of the podcast. <laughs> well, and I know that you really love these books and you've read more of them than I have. So it's very... Yeah, I need to I need to read four to five, though. I haven't gotten through those two yet. Yeah. I didn't even know fifth was coming out until about a week ago. I know, right? He's written other stuff, too, not just these books. So, I mean, 20 years is a long time, so... <laughs> that is a long time yeah okay well thanks for talking to me about this awesome book guys so read it yeah thank you for recommending it and i'm gonna co-sign rachel's uh assessment read this fucking book <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right awesome thanks bye bye bye, bye.